You're listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. This podcast is a part of Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. And the Rise Up Podcast Community, bit.ly slash community. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform. Music from podsummit.com slash free music. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. Ah, real local sports updates. Hello, and welcome to episode 110 of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. A little news about this podcast. I recently, as recently as like 10 minutes ago, submitted this podcast for Pandora. So hopefully it'll get approved in four to six weeks, it claims. And then you can listen to this show on Pandora. Just another platform to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. There's also a couple more. And actually, if you go to theleewmowen.com slash podcasts, you will notice that in the listen here section where I list all the platforms where you can listen, it's alphabetized. Yay. Easier to read, hopefully, maybe. I don't know. So you can now listen to this podcast on Deezer, Luminary, Launchpad, and the Radio.com app. I have all those links in the listen here section on the leadwmallon.com slash podcast. So all you have to do is click it and you can listen to it from there. Or you can listen to it in the post that I share on social media. That works too. Uh, Deezer, I have to get a hold of them because apparently the RSS feed hasn't updated on there and it's like five episodes short. Yeah. So hopefully that'll get fixed by 111. You can listen to this podcast on any of those platforms. I have them all alphabetized on my site, like I mentioned. And soon, hopefully, I'll get to add Pandora on there. So let's talk about local Sunday sports. But first, what's that I hear? That's my fan going, because this apartment is super hot. But... It's time for Mowen's Mailbag, the segment where you can ask questions and interact with the podcast. Send in your future questions on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown or at the Lee W. Mowen or on Facebook at the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast page. Theme music is provided by Music Radio Creative at MusicRadioCreative.com. One piece of mail in the mailbag from Twitter user AJ Fleggs. That's F-L-E-G-S. A good podcaster as well. Go listen to it and give him a follow on Twitter. Best bet to win the Super Bowl. Well, if I had money, which I don't, it would be on the New England Patriots. And I know out there you're probably sounding like Skeletor, like, Ah, you're a bandwagoner. Well, to be honest... I feel like the Patriots 
you know, they're a well-old machine this decade. I mean, Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. Of course, this is all saying this before any injuries happen, you know, because we can't predict that. Hindsight's twenty twenty, after all. I, I picked the Patriots to win this one. I think the L.A. Rams have a good shot going far into playoffs again. Just hope this time if they do make the Super Bowl, their offense shows up. That would be nice. Then again, doesn't help that your big running back threat and Gurley was hurt. That didn't help. But there you go. Uh, that's why I'm picking New England. That's my way too early guess for Super Bowl whatever it is in 2020. The start of a new decade. Wow. And that's all I got in Malin's mailbag, so I'm going to bring up something hilarious. Ohio State's trying to trademark the word the, T-H-E. Yeah. Now, of course, this worked because it's more attention to Ohio State. But uh, a lot of the attention is negative. Like, why would you do that? And you're selling hats and shirts with the word the. Very good. You can spell the. Great. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think I need to remind you all, but I'm not a Buckeye fan. I'm not a Wolverine fan either, but trust me. When college football season starts, you're not going to have me jump on the Ohio State bandwagon. No way. I mean... It's not in the cards. Sorry. And plus, this podcast is about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. So there you go. So yeah, that's me sending mail out because I only got the one question. I know, I'm pathetic, but here we go. It's a race to the playoffs. Room. Checkered flag. Ooh, there you go. I do all my theme music and everything. Aren't you impressed? So we'll start off with baseball. The Chillicothe Paints are Prospect League champions. The second title ever in Chillicothe Paints history. The first title since 2010. Both of the titles have been in the Summer Collegiate League in the Prospect League. The Paints did not win a title in the Frontier League, although they made it to six championship games, including the first of two Champions won by the Richmond Roosters. They won them back-to-back in 2001-2002. And Chillicothe made it in 2001 and fell to the Roosters. Which now that franchise has folded away since Traverse City is no longer in the Frontier League either. There's more news on that later. But the Paints, they lost their championship home game. They were taking on the Cape Catfish. But won both of them in Missouri to take the title. Uh, 5-2 to two was the clinching win for Chillicothe. And I have an article right here from longtime Twitter user in David Weissong. He's turned out to be quite the journalist for the Chillicothe Gazette, part of the USA Today Network. Great guy and great article as well. For the first time since 2010, the Paints are Prospect League champions in a winner-take-all game three in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. If I said that wrong, you know, please let me know. Because honestly, I don't remember if that's correct. They're coming off a 9-4 road win on Monday, which tied the series 1-1 after falling in Chillicothe. 
Great pictures here. Love the jerseys that Chillicothe has, especially the road jerseys. They didn't have them my time in Richmond. They just had navy paint jerseys, but there you go. And the paint's name is based on the paint horse, one of the favorites of the Indians back in the day, the Native Americans back in the day. I love that name, and I'm really happy, too, for our Chillicothe as well, because paints have such a long history. And they got underway in 1993, which I know people are like, 93? That's not that long. Yeah. Well, I'm only about five years older than the paints, so that's 26 years. So that's pretty good history. Considering the fact that we're talking about a team that has went from an independent pro team to a summer collegiate team and still able to draw people through the gates... And that facility, the VA Memorial Stadium, that hosts a lot of baseball. They get underway in, like, February. I'm super jealous just because of the fact that they can actually do that. I believe it's turf. But congrats go out to the Paints. They went 43-21 and overall in 2019. Started off 2-11, and I believe, but then took off from there. 40-20 and in the regular season went the Paints. And they won the one-game playoff for the East Division title against the Danville Dans, one of the heavy favorites to go to the title game. Because like I mentioned, Danville, their team, all Division I athletes, and most of them from Power 5 schools. So very impressive. Congrats, Chilla Coffee, and here's to you, the Paints. 2020 is just underway. So congrats go out to the Chilla Coffee Paints on their championship. And now we jump into the pro ranks. We'll start off with the Florence Freedom, a team that I really like to start following more myself and pretty much a team that you should have on your radar as well. The Freedom are 48-34 and 34 on the year, and they are on a five-game losing streak. All five of those games have been on the road. They were swept at River City. Not to be confused with Rascal City. They're the Rascals, and the logo looks like the dog from the Sandlot. And also, kind of like the Target Dog, sands the Target Target on the Target Dog. Target. So a sweep at River City, and they lost the series at Southern Illinois 6-3 and 2-1 last night. Last game at Southern Illinois is tonight. So the Freedom currently lead in the West standings by a half game. River City has made the way closer to the Freedom. River City is now 47-34, but they lost last night. Southern Illinois is just a game back along with the Evansville Otters. Southern Illinois are the Miners, by the way. I believe they play at SIU. And in fifth place in the West would be the Gateway Grizzlies at 32 and 48. They're 15 back of Florence. So yeah, if that's not a log jam for first, I don't know what is. You have four teams within a game of each other trying to finish at the top. Right now, Southern Illinois is on a 9-1 tear the last 10. Evansville 6-4, River City 7-3, Florence is 5-5. Five five. That five-game losing streak doesn't help that number, but there you go. And we're going to look at the East Division 2. There is one team in Ohio, but it's up in Avon, I believe. That's the Lake Erie Crushers, 42-37. and 37, And they're two and a half up on the 40-40 Schomburg Boomers. 
The Joliet Slammers are in third place, 35-45. Windy City Thunderbolts, 33-47. And the Washington, Pennsylvania Wild Things, 33-49. They're ten and a half back of Lake Erie. So, the Frontier League season goes on just a tiny bit longer. And this is from Point Streak, the official stats people of the Frontier League. And many other things as well. I mentioned series wraps up at Southern Illinois tonight at 6.35. I believe that's 7.35 here. Let's scroll up, see if that's local time. That could be Cincinnati time. It doesn't say. So I'm guessing 7.35. And then Florence is back home for five more home games at UC Health Field. They will host River City for three and Washington for two. And then back on the road to take on Evansville at three. Back home against Juliet, Tuesday, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. That will be the last home games of the regular season for the Freedom. And then two games at Windy City. Big game tonight for Florence. Like I mentioned, five-game losing streak. And pretty much one through four separated by one game. It's pretty big. Especially since River City is coming back in to the Cincinnati area. Friday, tomorrow. I keep forgetting what day it is, and I realize this podcast is late. Sorry, everybody. But yeah, Florence Freedom, they are a good alternative to the Reds. Cheap ticket, good seating, and they're being kept local. Like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, they were sold, but they're doing everything they can to keep the Freedom right by the water tower. Florence, small... But that's your freedom. We'll look at some stats real quick. A couple of contracts have been signed to the Reds, actually, or sold to the Reds. Reds signed them from the freedom, however you want to look at that. You have your best hitter after 49 games is Mercurio, 319 batting average. And has been there for pretty much most of the season. In 79 games, you have Ramirez Jr., an outfielder, batting 292. We look at the pitching side of things. Then we'll get to the transactions. Let you know how they're doing. It looks like out of the bullpen. I believe that's Craigie. 31 games all out of the bullpen. ERA of 0.28. I think that's good. What I do like about point streak stats is there's X's next to the people that are no longer there. If they've been traded, released, or signed to a different organization. Again, all this is from Point Streak. The last freedom to be signed to a major team is Jonathan Tripp. And this happened a week ago now. Jonathan Tripp sold to Cincinnati Reds. If you look through all the transactions of the freedom, there are a lot of people released. And I feel like that's, with the Frontier League, it's a rule where you can't have so many, you can have so many veterans on your team. I think it's like four. And the rest have to be, you know, under 24. I believe that's the age, possibly 25. There was a former Dragon that I thought would make the majors and be part of the Reds' bullpen, but it never happened. Jake Errett. He got released April 25th of this year. That made me a little sad because he did 
pretty well with Dayton. Just see all these names. Frank Valentino, he was the first one to have his contract sold to a major league team, being the New York Mets. Then Tyler Reichenborn to the St. Louis Cardinals. Brian McKenna to the Miami Marlins. Tyler Gibson to Cincinnati. And then Jonathan Tripp to Cincinnati as well. If I remember right, they're with the Greenville Reds. That's Greenville, Tennessee, not Greenville, Ohio. I kind of wish there was a rookie team in Greenville, Ohio as well, but that's not my choosing. They play at Tusculum College. And hopefully we can pull up stats here. That would be nice. By the way, Greenville is at Bluefield if you like rookie advanced affiliate ball. So your stats on Jonathan Tripp, well, just one appearance out of the bullpen thus far, but he went two and a third, gave up one hit, struck out five, and allowed no runs, no walks. I'd say that's pretty successful for Jonathan Tripp. That was his first time out of the bullpen. He might get to pitch tonight because, well, you got to have so many days off if you pitch that long. I don't know what the pitch count was. And also Tyler Gibson, he's 1-2 and two on the year with a 2.25 ERA with Greenville. Six appearances out of the bullpen and one save converted. Twelve innings, three earned runs, eight runs total, uh, nine hits, an ERA of 2.25 like I mentioned. Sixteen strikeouts, no walks. That's impressive. So that's your two former freedoms with the Greenville Reds. Not sure what the future holds for either Gibson or Tripp, but possibly Dayton and the Cards next year, depending on how spring training goes or how the rest of the season goes. But there you go. For independent ball, that's... I don't want to say kind of your hopes to be shown off and the major league teams have interest in you, but it kind of is. You get to keep playing the sport you love, and then hopefully, you know, you're spotted by a scout, and there you go. So it's very nice to see Gibson and Tripp doing well for the Greenville Reds, and hopefully they'll move the ladder and possibly make it to Dayton this year, or maybe make it to Dayton next year. And speaking of Dayton, Ohio, let's talk about the Dragons. So, the day I wrote this script, I thought I was going to record it yesterday, but it just didn't happen. The Dragons have now 19 games left in the season. And currently, 8 back of the leading playoff spot in the Eastern Division of the Midwest League. That would be Bowling Green. That's where Dayton is now. And they won 4-1 to in 12 innings, a game where apparently it was the longest that the Dragons have ever played and the current extra inning rules that have been put in place. So that's pretty impressive. Matt Pidich worked a scoreless 12th inning, and the Dayton Dragons won it in extras 4-1 to at BG. Tell you what the standings look like. Well, it's a long climb to the top, and Dayton has to leapfrog... Not one, but two teams vying for a playoff spot. Great Lakes won the first half in the Eastern Division, so the Loons don't count, but the Loons are in first place at 31 and 20. 
So another good half turned in by the Los Angeles Dodgers single-A affiliate. Bowling Green would have the first playoff spot in the East. They would win the second half if everything stays the way it is. Currently two games up on South Bend at 30-21, and 21, the Hot Rods. South Bend would have the wild card spot or the second playoff spot in the East. At 28-23, they are two back of Bowling Green and three back of first place. Lansing is not too far behind. They're one back of South Bend as they're 27-24 and picked up a very big sweep in Dayton just this past week. Then you have Lake County, who's 26-25. They were the wild card winners in the second half, so the Dragons don't really need to worry about the captain so much. But I think they might have one series at LC on the road. Then Dayton's 22-29. and 29. Their elimination number is 12, and it combines how many losses you can have and how many wins the other team needs. And if you run out of elimination numbers, then you're eliminated. And a big laser shoots out and goes, You're eliminated. Pew. Actually, invest in that. That'd be neat. Fort Wayne is one back of Dayton. Dayton's nine back of Great Lakes, eight back of Bowling Green, and six back of South Bend. Fort Wayne is ten back of Great Lakes, nine back of Bowling Green, and seven back of South Bend. Then West Michigan is 17 and 34. The Dragons only have two home stands left, but they will be against Fort Wayne and West Michigan. Dayton hasn't fared so well in Indiana against the 10 caps, but Fort Wayne's coming into Dayton. So Dayton really needs to win six of the six home games because the rest are on the road and Dayton on the road this half is nine and 13. But overall in the year, Dayton is 20 and 37 away from home sweet home. That first half mark was 1124 in case you're curious, but that's your dragons. Dayton, like I mentioned last week, Brian Ray got moved up, and last time I checked, he was 0 for 11 with Daytona. We were probably not going to see Brian Ray again in a Dragons uniform, unless spring training goes awry, that sort of thing. And we probably won't see Pavel Manzanero, so that's two of the best hitters right there. Michael Ciani is still having a nice year for Dayton. We'll pull up the individual stats right now and tell you that... It's taken a while to load on Firefox today. Thanks for that. Pavel Manzanero and Brian Ray both left Dayton with a 281 batting average. That's the best out of this squad. Your current batting leader for the Dragons, just five games in, the former Indiana Hoosier and Matt Lloyd. He joined the team just a couple days ago. Played in the outfield, played a little first base, and he is 5 for 19 for 263 batting average. Like I mentioned, coming from IU, which I always thought was University of Indiana. I guess I'm wrong on that. Sorry, Hoosiers. Although, to be fair, there's IUPUI. It's Indiana University, so I don't know why I thought that. Not a smart moment for yours, truly, but there you go. Matt Lloyd with five hits, two doubles, a home run, and four RBIs. Walked twice, struck out four times. So Matt Lloyd currently... The best batting average so far, but only five games. It will be Jay Skyler, the catcher. 92 games in, 259 batting average. He's been solid all year. 
In fact, Manzanero and Skyler were the nice one-two punch to have, and you would possibly see them both in the lineup with Manzanero as the DH and Skyler catching, or Manzanero at first base and Skyler catching. But there you go. Jay Skyler's had a very nice year. 41 RBIs, which are the active leading number. Manzanero had 44, so Skyler has a chance to leapfrog that number. Then you have Morgan Lostrom, who's really caught on fire as of late. He's hitting 251 in 53 games. He's been the third-string catcher, but with Manzanero's departure to Daytona, he's filled in nicely at the two-spot, and his bat has come along quite nicely. He has... Uh, Lostrom does. I forgot who I was talking about. He does have 61 strikeouts and only 7 walks, but... 20 RBIs and 43 hits. Like I mentioned, a lot of those hits are coming as of late. So Lofstrom's really using that to his advantage. They got Mario Bautista. He spent a little time in the IL with an injury this year and batting 248 in 85 games. That's 79 hits out of 319 opportunities with 30 runs batted in. So offense is a little down this year I'd say but I do like the hitters that the Dragons had like Monsonero and Ray they did a nice job with the bat Lloyd looks like he's very impressive with it in limited time I like Cameron Warren as well his batting average is at 186 but remember played an entire college season so maybe the wear and tear starting to get to Warren I'm not sure Michael Ciani, I mentioned him by the way, 241 and 37 stolen bases. The 241 is his batting average. But 37, I believe that's the tops in the Midwest League after the departure of Reggie Pruitt, who's one of the fastest Lansing Lugnuts in quite some time. But Ciani, good base stealer, and he's really come around. It's great to see that improvement in 105 games. So that's your look at the Dragons hitters. Your pitching lines look like this. Matt Pytich has become the closer since Connor Bennett got moved up. And Pytich has a lower ERA at 2.21 compared to Bennett's 2.27. Pytich did suffer a blown slave last night, but picked up the win to improve to 3-3. Three and three. And it doesn't have save opportunities on here. Marvelous, but he's got five. Bennett had 12 before his departure to Daytona. Starting-wise, Nick Lodolo. If you didn't catch him the first two times, you're out of luck until 2020 because of the fact he got shut down and the Reds are really watching his numbers, which I don't blame them. So, God treat Lodolo's arm very carefully. 2.57 ERA, 7 innings, 2 earned runs, 6 hits, one hit by pitch, no walks, nine strikeouts. I've been really impressed with Andy Fisher, who's two and two on the year, two point twenty ERA, started one game, as appeared out of the bullpen five times, had a rough game at Fort Wayne. I believe that was his first four earned runs he's given up in sixteen and a third, six runs total, walked two, struck out twenty. Yeah, Fisher's been dynamite. And what round of the draft was Fisher picked up? Oh, he wasn't. He was signed after the draft. So the Reds really made a really, really smart save. Smart signing. 
Fisher doesn't save yet. But there you go. There's some of the uh, pitchers. I mentioned all bullpen folks. Your best starter is Connor Curless. He'll make his 12th start soon. And his 14th overall appearance. 4-4, four four, 2.47 ERA. Had a length of about 12 innings of scoreless ball. 11, 12 scoreless ball. Did take the loss against Lansing, but pitched well. Pitched well. And Curless is really coming around. He's a former Ohio State Buckeye, and he's also from Findlay, Ohio. So it's really cool to see, you know, Ohio product pitching for an Ohio team. And hopefully he'll pitch for the big Ohio team that's by the river. Or if he pitches by the lake, I guess that's all right, too. As long as Curless is successful. There is also a former Mason Comet and one-time Division I Pitcher of the Year with Mason. That's Andrew McDonald. He's got a slightly elevated ERA of 7.04, two losses and seven appearances. But last night, pitched two scoreless innings. I think he gave up a hit, and that was it. So nice work by McDonald there. You can always tell it's McDonald because he's pretty tall, and normally he wears stirrups. Last time he didn't, though, so fooey on me. But there you go. There's some of your Dayton Dragons. Can the Dragons make the playoffs? It's going to need a lot of lucky bounces, and time is not on the side of Dayton, but... It is possible. You're going to have to win a lot of road series. It's going to be a tough trip for Dayton. But we'll see how the rest of the season winds down. And now we talk about that big club by the river. That'd be the Cincinnati Reds. They're competitive this year. It's nice to see. But lately, the Reds have hit a little bit of a block after splitting the four-game home series with the Chicago Cubs. The Reds falter in Washington, D.C. and are swept with a 17-7 crushing by the Nats. The Nationals scored 10 runs in one inning and then added a touchdown and extra point to boot after that. It's not football season yet, Nationals. Well, it's preseason football, so it's football season, I guess. So there you go. Reds are 56 and 63 overall, coming back home for a four-game set against the co-leader in the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals. In fact, your central standings look like this: Cardinals and Cubs tied for first. St. Louis 63-55, Chicago 64-56, Milwaukee is a game and a half back. They're staying afloat at 63 and 58. Cincinnati's in fourth place. Then Pittsburgh is 50 and 70. That's what your central looks like. Can the Reds make the playoffs? I know I recently said that about the Dragons. I'm hoping they can, but it's still, it's still a big ladder to climb in wild card rates, especially that sweep. That certainly doesn't help. We'll pull up the wild card standings. I like it because it's actually a thing you can do. With the Midwest League, I have to remember who made the playoffs and who can't get in. Your wildcard teams of the season ended today would be the Nationals and the Cubs. Milwaukee would be a, half, a game and a half back, excuse me, Philadelphia two back. The Mets three back, Arizona three and a half back, San Francisco four and a half back, and then the Reds are seven and a half back now. 
time to make up some ground. You really need to win this series against St. Louis. Then San Diego is eight back, Colorado ten and a half back, Pittsburgh fourteen back, Miami nineteen and a half back. That's your NL wildcard race. The Reds are seven and a half, seems like a big ladder to climb, and that would be five teams just to get to that bubble line. So six teams you have to leapfrog to get a wild card spot. Not saying it's impossible, but the road got a little tougher with that sweep. Trevor Bauer took the loss for Cincinnati, and I believe that means he's one and two with the Red Legs. I do like, though, how the Reds' front office has handled transactions, meaning the fact that Freddie Galvis was picked up after Toronto waived him. Heck of a player, and that did worry me about Jose Iglesias' future. Iglesias's? Iglesias' future. Jose Iglesias. And apparently, Galvis will play wherever, and the Reds hope he'll play second base. So Iglesias will be the regular shortstop, which I like. I, I really like what Iglesias has done this year for Cincinnati. And Freddie Galvis is still a heck of a player. A little bit up there in age. He spent a few years with the Phillies, last year with the Padres, and this year with Toronto before he got waived. And Toronto want to waive him so that Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio will get opportunities there. Youth moment in Toronto, which it's sad for Galvis, but hey, maybe things will be hopeful next year for the Blue Jays' nest up in Canada. His first at-bat with the Reds had a pinch-hit single, did Freddie Galvis. I think if you give me a glove, I can play whatever position, Galvis said. I just want to be able to do so for the manager, wherever position he puts me, and just to be ready. Love that attitude. And love the fact that the Reds picked up such a quality player in Galvis. I always liked Galvis, but not too much, because it seemed like Galvis always kicked the Reds' butt during that time when he was with Philadelphia from 2012 until 2017. Blue Jays, he batted 267 with 18 homers and 54 RBIs in 115 games. He's already two homers shy of his career high when he hit 20 with the Phillies back in 2016. Switch hitter. He's got 15 homers as a left-hander with a lower batting average compared to as a righty than a lefty. He hits 281 as a lefty, it looks like. Switch hitter. That gives manager David Bell a dangerous weapon. You don't know what hand he's going to bat with against what he could throw out there. It could mean that Josh Van Meter gets more opportunities in the outfield now because you got Galvis planted second and Dietrich still on the IL. There is some news about the IL. Tyler Malley is throwing a bullpen session. He threw it Tuesday with Louisville. And tomorrow he's scheduled to throw two innings against the Rochester Red Wings. So an actual in-game experience for Malley. But, why are you going to put him in the starting rotation? I don't think you can at this point. Put him in the bullpen. If he can get you quality outings, I mean, that'll help the bullpen. That'll give him a little more sigh of relief, because the bullpen seems to be 
seems to be gassed after being so strong early on, just being needed constantly. I mean, that, that does tax you. And I'm hoping that that won't be an issue in 2020, but we will see. So, Tyler Malley, here's hoping for two great innings tomorrow against the Red Wings with the Louisville Bats. There's also some great news from our former Red Skipper, Brian Price. He's the pitching coach for Joe Girardi's USA Baseball Premier 12 squad. So congrats go out to Brian Price. I thought he was a heck of a pitching coach with Cincinnati. And still nice guy. Problem is, in terms of managing, it's, uh, it's a little rough. But congrats go out to Brian Price. And that effectively covers baseball this week. We'll step aside and we'll tell you about that series that has the name based off a sign-off in State 71 and that football team in Cincinnati because apparently there's more than one. But we're talking about the Bengals and FC Cincinnati, the Columbus crew next. Judge you go anywhere, this is episode 110 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoy the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the pod coin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play. And simply use my code CINCYSPORT with two eyes, And you'll get 300 pod coins just for signing up. So go ahead. Listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin. And sign up with the code CINCYSPORT with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. Podcoin. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast Community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content, just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. 
What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play, or visit Anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday sports podcast. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast? Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. What's going on, guys? Grant Pushcart here, joined by my co-director, Victor Williams. Are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content? Over at Overtime Heroics, you can be a part of a growing sports community such as podcasts like my own, Cleveland Surge, and my own Philly Special Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to Overtime Heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. And a bit of breaking news. This is from Twitter user Jerry Snodgrass. You might know him as the executive director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. For basketball tournaments, the Girls Basketball State Tournament in 2020 will happen at St. John Arena at Ohio State. And the Boys Basketball State Tournament will happen there in 2021. And just looking through my timeline, there's a lot of great memories from broadcasters and fans alike. I'm, I'm ready for it. So here we go. Hopefully by that time, you know, I get to announce or broadcast something from there. But yeah. So there you go. St. John Arena will host girls basketball state tournament in 2020 and boys basketball in 2021. And now we can begin part two. If you're looking for something else, then I'm sorry I can't help you. But we'll continue on with episode 110 of the local Sunday sports podcast. And I promise you, I'm not trying to trademark the in anything I do. So there you go. Nor will I wear clothing that just says the on it. The, the, what's your preference? Okay, time's up. Let's talk about the Bengals. They're at the Washington Redskins tonight. It'll be a 7.30 p.m. kick. And you can watch it on TV with Mike Watts, the play-by-play announcer, analyst Anthony Munoz, and Marissa Contepelli, the sideline reporter. You can watch it in Cincinnati on WKRC. That's CBS. Also in Dayton, you can watch it on 22 in Columbus on Channel 6. In Lima on Fox Channel 8.2. And in Lexington, Kentucky, you got Channel 56. That's the Fox affiliate in Central Kentucky. And you can watch it on Fox in Louisville, Kentucky on Channel 41. But if you're like me, a radio head, who actually does not have an actual radio for a head, but you like radio, uh, you like Dan Horde and the job he does play-by-play, well, because of the red season, it's on ESPN 1530, and you can also listen to it on FM Waves in Cincinnati, on WEBN 102.7 FM, or in the Dayton area, 104.7 FM. And I mentioned Dan Horde does the play-by-play, and cutting in is Dave Lapham. The Bengals will be taking on the Washington Redskins for game number two of the preseason. The Redskins are led by six-year head coach and former offensive coordinator for Cincinnati and Jay Gruden. 
And it's first year Zach Taylor taking the reins for Cincinnati. And the Bengals are definitely going to be leaning on nine-year vets Dalton at QB and Green at WR. Except Green is hurt. You remember that. The first preseason game, it didn't go so well. 38-17, Kansas City took the win at home against the Bengals. Although most observers saw the first-team offense score on a 14-play, 75-yard drive in its only action, led by Andy Dalton. That's a good sign, because you're probably going to see most of the first team out there on the field for the regular season. That's how these things normally work. So tonight, the Bengals have a lot of absences. You have A.J. Green, that whole injury involving the turf at Welcome Stadium. You have John Ross, Darquez Denard at cornerback, along with William Jackson. Halfback Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon. Tight end Tyler Eifert. Defensive tackle Geno Atkins. And linebacker Carl Lawson. So there's a lot of players right there that are gone and won't be in that first line. Or there at all, let's be real. So, a lot of names that are probably leaned on upon for the regular season, they won't be there. And I think Dalton will get more than one drive in Washington tonight. Competition, though, is fierce at the number one LG position between Trey Hopkins, John Jerry, Christian Westerman, and Michael Jordan, the rookie. The backup quarterback competition will be between incumbent Jeff Driscoll and Ryan Finley, who was drafted earlier this year. Currently, Finley's listed as the number three QB behind Driscoll and behind Dalton. But there's also been rumors that Driscoll might suit up as a wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, hey, it worked for... Edelman, right? Julian Edelman. Worked for him. Quarterback at Kent State. Now, you know, wide receiver for Tom Brady and the Patriots. It could work. Maybe. Who knows? Finley had a strong debut and the loss at the Chiefs, completing his first 10 passes on the way to going 13 of 18 for 109 yards. One pick, one touchdown. His QB rating is 82.9. So... Preseason, you're not going to win preseason Super Bowl rings. It's not happening. In fact, depending on how things bounce, you might have less preseason games later. Or none. But we won't get into that. My big thing is competition. And I want to see who can help the Cincinnati Bengals when the regular season starts. I want to see the Bengals do well this year. Previous podcast episodes, I've been a little down on the Bengals, but the last few years haven't been that great. That playoff loss, oof. I'm still trying to get over that. But competition is healthy. It all, it, it's always been healthy. And I really think that we'll see what the Bengals have to offer in this second preseason game. Washington's also 0-1 the preseason. They fell to the Browns in Cleveland, 30-10. to Another storyline, according to this press release, is Bill Callahan, who's the assistant head coach and offensive line coach for Washington. 
He's the father of Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. And he was head coach at the University of Nebraska, while Bengals head coach Zach Taylor was the QB for the Cornhuskers in 2005 and 2006. All time in the preseason, the Bengals are 5-3-1 against the Redskins. Last time these two teams met, Washington won 23-17 the preseason at FedEx Field. It's the first time the Redskins beat the Bengals in preseason action since 1983. Interesting, but I want to know regular season-wise. I feel like last time they met up, it was a tie. Five of these games have been in Washington. Six will be in Washington after tonight. Three in Cincy and one in Canton, Ohio. Back in 1975 and the Bengals' first Hall of Fame game appearance. In 105 degree heat. Mm-mm. Hottest game conditions for the Bengals ever, it's believed. And the Redskins won 17-9. Regular season play, the Bengals are 5-4-1 against Washington. And yes, I was right. The last time they met up, 27-27 tie in London. The last regular season win Washington had against Cincinnati was back in 1991. You know, the start of that whole era that Bengals fans like to forget about. In a 34-27 decision. So... According to these preview notes, which are presented at Bengals.com, try to find an article on here. Ed Zerka took the picture of Drew Sample talking to O'Shea Dugas during the first half of the preseason game at Kansas City. Drew Sample being a tight end, and hopefully he'll be able to contribute along with Tyler Eifert as a TE. Preseason, I mean... You want to see your first line do well, but you don't want to see more injuries pop up. In case of the Bengals, ooh, the lack of depth just it hurts. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful the Bengals avoid any more injuries because I really would like to see a healthy Bengals squad go up in the AFC North and compete with Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. I realize I thought I was doing them ABC order, but I didn't. Sorry. But there you go. Preseason, I'll be sure to follow along. Not sure exactly what to expect, but like I said, no more injuries. Please, no more injuries. I don't want any more injury bugs. And now we'll talk football. After talking football, after talking a slight news blurb of basketball, and then baseball. I probably should have put this at the beginning of the episode, but, meh. This episode is going to say the word hell. It's because it is the first Hell is Real Derby. It's based off a sign off 71 that talks about, you know, religion. I thought it was originally on 70, but that's a different sign. So, I'm sorry if you don't like the word hell, but there you go. The first Hell is Real Derby is in the books, and it finished level. FC Cincinnati went up 2-0 in the first half, but Columbus chewed away and made a 2-2 draw. It's the first road point FC Cincinnati claimed since they defeated Chicago July 13th. First half goals by Darren Maddox and Emmanuel Ledemsma, as well as late game saves from Titan, 
Przemyslaw Titan. I believe that's how you say that. It's a road point for FC Cincinnati. It's a home point for the Columbus Crew in a 2-2 draw. That was this Saturday, and I forgot how close it was coming up. I was really excited because I like both teams. I know. I'm evil. I like both teams. Especially since I said I'm not an Ohio State fan. I like Columbus teams. Ooh, I'm the devil. So the goalkeeper, Titan, made four saves, including two deep into the second half stoppage time. His most since the season opener at Seattle on March the 2nd. Also had a couple of debuts for FC Cincinnati's Andrew Gutman, Joseph Claude Gayou, and Derek Etienne Jr. They earned their first MOS minutes in the 2-2 draw, did Gutman and Gayou. And FC Cincinnati will be coming back into action Saturday, August 17th, when New York City FC comes into Nippert Stadium. You can watch it locally on WSTR 64, former WB channel in Cincinnati. It's also streamed on Flow FC in region and ESPN Plus out of region. It's on the radio stations of WDJO with an audio stream on TuneIn and FCCincinnati.com. That's probably how I'll listen to. Actually, wait, I might have work. So, yeah. First Hell is Real Derby in the books. The crew goals were Yase Zerdis on a penalty kick in the 45th minute and Pedro Santos from Will Trap in the 62nd minute. And that tied the game up for the crew and that's how it was. Looking at the stats here. The crew outshot the FC Cincinnati squad 19-7. to and on goal, 6-3 in favor of the crew. But four saves turned in by FC Cincinnati compared to one for Columbus. Columbus out-cornered their foes 6-4. 21 fouls on FC Cincinnati on 17 on Columbus. And FC Cincinnati had most possession at 52.9%. There was a lot of cards issue because I was watching the stats because it was a Dragons home game. 79 degrees and sunny where 20,865 showed up. You had yellow card on Alex Cronale in the 18th minute. Pedro Santos got a card in the 68th minute. For Cincinnati, you had Michael Vanderwerf with a caution in the 72nd. They're all yellow cards. And Alan Cruz and Victor Uola got cautions in stoppage time in that second half. So, yeah. <laughs> yellow cards are real. And so was the band Yellow Card, but I think they're no longer together. There you go talks about the game. It was also Ron Jan's first game as the skipper of FC Cincinnati. Really like some of the quotes here from FC Cincinnati on the post-game report. He mentions that he thinks that FC Cincinnati deserved a point ourselves. And after that, FC Cincinnati had a lot of problems getting to halftime. But he's really happy with the point and deserved it because of the fighting spirit those first 35 minutes. So, your first game is the first Hell is Real battle with both teams in MLS. It's not the first overall one if you go back to that Open Cup, what was it, two years ago? where FC Cincinnati upset the Columbus crew. But yeah, it's something that I really like to be a part of 
It's hard for me to choose which side of the fence I'm falling on. Am I falling on FC Cincinnati's side, being, you know, mostly a Cincinnatian all my life? Am I falling on Columbus' side because one of the first MLS teams back in 1996 and team I followed pretty well over the years? I don't know. I can like both teams. There you go. You can't do a darn thing about it. I'd really like to catch the second derby in Cincinnati, but I know tickets are pretty much going to be at a premium. I can't wait to see the pictures of that. Just the FC Cincinnati supporter groups coming through the streets, making Nippert Stadium all orange and blue, and the Columbus crew dotting in some black and gold. I really love this rivalry, and I hope it grows and builds over time. Like I mentioned, I couldn't really follow along. I was following on stats. That was about the best I could do. Because like I said, it was at work. But, really happy that it's happening. And, there's a part of me that is really happy and it ended in a draw. I don't know who to root for. I'll take cash considerations. There you go. But, the first Hell is Real Derby finishes level. And now we'll look at the schedule and let you know later in the month it will be round two. And round two, if I can ever figure out how to work this schedule, I know the internet. It is Sunday, August 25th at 6 p.m. at Nippert Stadium. You can watch it on Fox Sports Go because they are the TV voice of the crew. WJDO, was it DJO? 99.5 FM. It says WJDO. Am I wrong? You can follow it on radio, 99.5 FM, 107.9 FM, and 1480 AM in the Cincinnati area. Uh, tune in as well. FS1, FCCincinnati.com. But there's one match in the way. It's New York City FC coming home to Nippert Stadium Saturday, this Saturday, August 17th at 7.30. And that will wrap up episode 110. Mentioned before the break about that whole copywriting V. No, don't like it. There you go. That's my look. I did find out something really cool. The Field of Dreams site in Dyersville, Iowa next year. There will be a regular season game in the month of August. It'll be the Chicago White Sox and New York Yankees. I love the idea. I mean, Field of Dreams is a great baseball movie. Liked all the actors. Haven't seen it in a while. I need to rewatch it. That's a great movie, though. What do you want? I want people to leave me alone! No, I mean, what do you want? Camera pans towards the concession stand. Oh, I want a beer. <laughs> I like that line. That's probably my favorite part. But they're going to build an 8,000-seat stadium... For this, it'll be the Chicago White Sox and New York Yankees, which I really love the White Sox inclusion because that's what it was in the film. Yankees, on the other hand, I mean, I get it because when you think Yankees, I mean, cross the pond, you probably think of the baseball team. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't left my house. No, I'm just kidding. But name recognition, I get it. If you wanted to go more accurate towards the book with Shoeless Joe Jackson, well, I think the Cincinnati Reds would have been the better pick for that, but I, I get it. I'm not mad on it. I like it. I like that event. 
I listened to local radio that one day, and one of the guys was complaining, we only get to see the Yankees, we being the Reds, only seven years, every seven years we get to see the Yankees. Like, what are you talking about? It just made me shook my head. It's like, that's your big complaint? Not everyone gets to see Yankees and we should see Yankees? I'm just, ah, no. So yeah, that's another thing I wanted to complain about as well. Just, what are you talking about? I mean, I get the whole not seeing the stars on the West Coast thing because, let's face it, it's 10 o'clock before we could see those games here on the East Coast. But, you know, if you follow the game enough, you'll see the updates. I didn't get that argument at all. Just, we only get to see the Yankees every seven years. Just because we're not in the AL? You know? I don't know. I I didn't get that argument, but there you go. And that will close up episode 110. Yes, I know I promised a whole big high school football and where to listen to episode, but trying to find information hasn't been easy. Let's say that. It has not been easy in the slightest. I have a few schedules, but that's really about it. I saw something on Yappy. They have the week one schedules, and I might do that, but I wanted to do like a whole big thing of... Support these stations. Listen to them. I still might do that next week. I'm not sure. Depending on how time is. So I hope you definitely tune in for the future episodes. Follow along. The LeeWMallon.com slash podcast. Follow along on social media. Twitter. At Gem on Queen Crown. Or at the Lee W. Mallon. And Facebook. Like the Gem on the Queen's Crown facebook page also follow the group fans of the local sunday sports podcast and also the flick chat app it's still free you can join it and you can ask questions because i only got one this week so there you go this has been the gem on the queen's crown the cincinnati and dayton sports podcast episode 110 this is lee w mallon signing off for another week and hope to talk to you again real soon It'll always be about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Talk to you again next week. For listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via Royalty Free Music, No Copyright Music Group. Visit the LeeWMowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Castbox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and at the Lee W. Mowen and on Facebook by liking the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page and become a member of the Facebook group, fans of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye and please join us again for another new episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.